0: The winemakers are up next, but first check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits podcast network.
1: Destination, eat, drink. I'm Brent Peterson. This week on the podcast, Paul Cullen, bass player from Bad Company, tells us about his first experience with fine wine in the back of a tour bus after a show. He goes, "Hey, do you like wine?" I said, "Well, I don't know if I've really had good wine." He goes, "Have you ever had Chateau de Pop?" And I oh. said, "Shut the what the what the pop what? He <laughs> popped that bottle." And I was in wine heaven. Download the podcast today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network from
0: the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California. Welcome to the Winemakers. Local experts Sam Couture, Bart Hanson, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week.
2: Something wrong this. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with the whole crew today. We got Sam Keturi, Bart Hansen, and John Myers back in the house. And we, uh, I'll so- say it again. It must be the tie-dye. It must <laughs> be the tie-dye. And hey, guys, there's something about Mary I want to talk about. <laughs> what is up with Cameron Diaz and her clean wine?
0: The funny <laughs> thing is, is that I guess I should have sent you that article when it first came out because... There's been, you know, how many articles since that? Well, um, you got that wasn't it wasn't even their article; it was their infomer- infomercial.
2: Well, not we just all so watched. I've seen the YouTube video. I've read Esther Mobley. I've read something in Forbes. I read some other thing, and it's. Um, here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on Cameron Diaz's side for a minute. Ryan,
0: take in the controversial <laughs> side.
2: Right. I like I like Cameron Diaz. <laughs> let's let's What's just say motivation
3: brian
0: let's what?
2: just let's just say that her motives are noble that she learned that some people quotation marks will put additives in quotation marks into some of their wines and she thought why isn't that I can't just get a clean wine, just made strictly from 100% organically farmed grapes, pressed, put into a bottle or stainless or barrel or stainless steel, and then put into bottles. So noble, noble intentions, right? Okay, well, that's cool. Okay, so where where did where did she go wrong that everyone in the wine industry is now out for blood? Well, what was what was the first thing
1: that you said in her criteria? So, organically, organically farmed. Grapes.
2: Right. And
1: we don't and know if the grapes that she used are organically grown. I
2: think and on her YouTube video, she actually says that they are organically farmed. Are they certified? I, do, I, do, I, I haven't had a bottle, so I haven't seen the label, so I don't know if they're certified organic.
1: I mean, it might not necessarily. I mean, it doesn't say on our label that the grapes are orga- certified organic.
2: Right. Uh, but so let's let's say that they are. Okay. Let us just let's just give her that, okay. and say okay, they're organically farmed grapes, even if they're not certified.
3: Brian and Sam, what are all those additives that she's talking about that people might have put in?
2: Well, let's ask the winemakers. So you know, she says there's seventy three. Th- I've heard other people say there's sixty. So, well,
1: it depends on what country you're in. Okay. What's, what is allowed? Well, I, I think the important thing to say, right. right no, go ahead, Bart. go ahead, Bart. You're
0: actually a winemaker. I don't know. <laughs> well, you no, no. Uh, you know, first of all, sure. There's a lot of things that can be used, but you make the choice to do it or not. And so, I mean, are there people that do? Yes um i think i think a lot of the there i think there's a dozen or so that are used commonly that she might be thinking of
2: okay so Um, let's let's get them all out there so we can tell which ones are used that are benign which ones are used that we think are possibly harmful to the human body
3: yeah let's go with the gross ones
0: (laughs) I, i don't think there's anything Harmful for the human body. I mean, I maybe I need uh, to study. There's the, alcohol. I mean, that's harmful, for right.
2: everybody. Pesticides, pesticides. They don't <laughs> add that. That's not an added. No, but it. if you're spraying with pesticides, is that is that potentially harmful to the human body? Yeah. Yeah. If if they're not washing the grapes, even Absolutely. when they're bringing them in, right?
1: Wouldn't even matter if they're washing the grapes. The the commonly used pesticides and fungicides. Are what they call systemic, which means that you spray them early in the de- in the growing season, and so it's literally grows with the vine, and it's and it's in. It's, not it's in the system. The- okay. Uh, yeah, it's
3: in the blood system.
1: When you know, again, when you're not certified organic. Or, okay. So, or even if it's organic but uncertified. maybe. Well, Sam,
3: you've mentioned bone and blood, all kinds of things, just prior to going
1: on the air. What what were you talking well, about? Well, now that we're on air, I'm not going to talk about it, John. No. All uh, right. No, the things that concern like say the vegans and such um are primarily finding agents. Um so you're using, you know, the one that I've seen used um more than anything else that would that would um Sort of raise these flags is a thing called Eisenglass, which is uh, essentially like fish bladder byproduct and yeah. and then actually just straight up egg whites and and the and, and, is,
0: and, and something to be said about that is that you 're adding that to the wine and then you give it some time to to settle, and usually you would filter off it so yeah. it's not it's technically it 's left behind. It's a product used in the processing, and it takes something with it, also.
2: Uh, Bart, Bart you're cutting out a little bit.
0: There's proteins that are binding with the egg white, we really should have got it someone classically trained here for this conversation. But, you know, <laughs> no comes way, back oh, and, no, and that's no fun. It. Binds <laughs> with <laughs> it, and then settles on the back of the b- bottom of the barrels.
2: Right. right. So, okay. So, which I think white sugar, if you buy white sugar, right. Cause when I went vegan for a while and I was told at some point, if you're having white sugar, cause I went from honey to white sugar because you know, it's, it's not from animals, but I guess white sugar is processed over bones. And that's like common knowledge. So, so, so now we're talking about contact. So how far right. do you want to go? If my, Right now I got tomatoes out in the backyard. If my cat goes out there and is like brushing his butt up against my tomato. Hey, right on cue.
1: <laughs> Does your dog make your wine? Unpegan? Right. Um, or compost. What about compost? Which is like, something that we use uh, a product in, in almost all organic farming uh, is something that we call fish emulsion and that is a byproduct of you know the fishing industry and it's high in nitrogen it's one of the like best fertilizers organic fertilizers you can apply yeah. uh, i you know mix it and pour it into my garden we put it into the irrigation systems in the vineyards definitely not a vegan product but say I poured it into my garden, does that make m- the tomatoes no longer a vegan tomato? Right. Uh,
2: I even just saw a DIY video where you take eggs and put them into your soil and they release, like you're saying, there's, there's calcium in the shells. There's all kinds of positive things for the soil. So then if you did that and you're a vegan, are you, are you still going to eat that zucchini that comes up?
1: Right. I mean, so it, it is really like a matter of, how far you want to take these things. Um, and and I think the reason. And I think. Yeah, go ahead, Bart. No, no, go ahead, Sam. Right. I'm sorry. The, the reason um, the clean wine thing uh, ignited the sort of firestorm in social media and aroused the ire of winemakers and wine writers uh, across the globe is it's yet again, and this is, you know, goes in further sort of the natural wine conversation, it's yet again um, a category that lacks any real definition and and any real um, regulation. Who's to say your wine is clean and other wines are dirty. You can make marketing claims about them, um, but there are only so many uh, certifications that you can get to actually say this is this so you know as i've always said the, the bottom line is you know to be in a conversation like this it has to be from certified organic or biodynamic fruit and then you go into the facility and you know even in an or certified organic facility there is still a list of additives or quote-unquote additives products you use in the making and producing and, and processing of the wine and including sulfur that are certified organic and can be used um in, in the winemaking process and so it, they're just without any real definition and frankly and i'm a You know, maybe it's because I'm a big government liberal or something um, that without an actual certification body, a third party, um, you know, regulator to say that this is what you've done or haven't done. um, They're just words. You can say your wine is natural. You can say your wine is clean, but um, without any sort of like real third party verification, it's just marketing.
3: Well, Sam right here, she's just saying clean, delicious wine made from organic grapes, vegan, non-GMO, and gluten-free. Well, gluten-free is mm-hmm. never a problem, and non-GMO with organic, well, that's together. Well, uh, delicious and clean. What well, Clean is just an adjective at that point.
2: And And the problems with the language, and that's one of the arguments, is that if you're saying light, then there has to be dark. If you're saying good, then there has to be bad. So if you're saying right. clean, the implication is that other
1: wines aren't clean. I'm so glad we're oh, just diving cool. into the clean wine thing because it's going to be great for our social media. <laughs> <laughs> just it's about it's about clicks and downloads at this point, right? I mean that's that's what it's well, about. How's your wine selling? Oh, is it it
2: I mean, I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's selling. Imagine all of the wine. yeah, and imagine all the, the oh, I'm yeah, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Imagine all the. LA housewives, let's just say that, that are excited to drink this wine, that they are gonna, they're probably gonna feel good about having another glass or two because they think that this wine is somehow better for them than other wines. Even at the minimum.
1: Right. I, mean, I mean, this,
0: this wine also, it, this whole thing came out at a time where everybody's hypercritical of everything they see and people are spending way too much time at home, obviously, right? And you're, everybody's looking for something to call bullshit on it. And, and I was one of the first ones, when I saw this come across Twitter, I was like, this is complete and utter bullshit. Um, so it, it's kind of set up for the time, right? Um, you know, there's excessive wine or there's excess wine that can be bought cheaply, which allows her to sell this at this price. But you know, there's, as Sam said, or Brian, one of you guys said, you know, if there's, if this is clean, then there must be bad or there must be dirty. Well, what else goes on with this is what does it take to make this product in Spain and, you know, pay very, very little for it. And then bottle it, ship it all the way all over to the United States, truck it all over the United States, does that take away a little bit of its cleanness? As opposed to them buying a product that could have been located here in California that maybe they could have done. I mean, there's a bunch of organic grapes available in the state of California this year um, and just done it right here. I I mean, still though, Brian, I mean, it would, at least it would be cleaner. It would be cleaner, you know, socially. It'd and that,
2: cleaner. Was, that was one of my things that i'm that i'm like these these ladies have money and they're smart so what's stopping them from just going to a their concern is that i'm not drinking clean wine are they not able to go to a winery or to email a winemaker or a winery owner and say hi it's cameron diaz i'm just curious i would like to drink your wine what sort of additives are you adding to, to my wine? Here are my concerns. Is it, can I drink your wine safely or do I feel good about drinking your wine? Is there something, anything that you want to tell me that I don't know? I mean, any, she's got the resources to be able to do that. But to instantly well, jump on the fact that I'm going to make my own wine because I can't find any wine out there that is not clean.
3: Well, it's, it's a marketing exercise. I mean, let's, let's face it. And however, it, this it's is capitalism. Uh, Bart, here's your here's your evil side because they say, unlike the food industry, winemakers do not have to list ingredients. This has opened the door for opportunists who profit by claiming that other wineries fill their wines with noxious chemicals. <laughs> there you go. That's their statement. Well, yeah. and the thing is,
2: noxious chemicals, like the only thing you ever want to add to your wine is something that either finds it or stabilizes it right other than that or I guess okay so let's even go a little bit further let's say you want to make it a little bit darker because you're selling some cab that came in lighter so you want to add a little bit of color or it's a rosé and you think the color is a little bit too dark you want to lighten a little bit so it's in that market with all those real lightly pink rosés let's even t- take all those and say okay well that's a given What else are you wanting? Are you just – does your friend have a bunch of chemicals and he works at Dow and he says, hey, i got to get rid of these two drums. Would you buy them and stick them in your wine so that I have some way to – it's like laundering money or something?
3: Well, at least it's not going into the bay, right? It's just going into the (laughs) bottle. (laughs) I'll add a couple more stops before it goes to the bay.
2: And my real thing was with the word clean, like we use the word clean when natural wines is a different thing. But clean is something that Psalms use when we're determining when we're looking at wine and evaluating wine. And we use the term clean to represent a wine that's been um, filtered. So when we say it's a clean wine, it means that it's basically it's been a, a filtered wine that it's it's opaque or it's see through that you can go through it natural is one of those ones you can't you know quite get your hands around but at least natural you you're like okay natural yeast like you guys use that term before right so that's that's something to, and and anyway there there's a lot to chew on i think I've, but I,
0: i've changed mine to spontaneous oh.
2: so, ooh.
0: Ah. <laughs> I, and that was not my idea i copied somebody else's but but to me spontaneous is is more okay. So what I was thinking is, you know, there is this thing called truth in advertising and um, you know, to say natural yeast. Y- yeah. But that's pretty broad. You know, I mean, what is it to say, you know, uninoculated, uh, you know, then you're explaining the word, but spontaneous yeah. is true. And it's, um, you know, it's unintentional, um, but it happens, which you want it to do. So. Well,
2: he- so here's my contention where I'm going to throw this on you guys is how did you not see this coming? Coke Coke comes out with Coke Zero, you know, all the gluten-free shit, um any like guar gum, like all these things that people are in an uproar about. How did the wine industry not not sort of see around the corner and see that well, this was well, potentially going to be an issue? But she
0: she's not this isn't the the Camaradia's wine is not the first one to do it. This Fit Wine Company has been around for a while. Right. And right. Farm and wines. and, and yep. yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and And frankly, I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast uh, and listens to the Rob McMillan episode a few weeks ago um, should have seen this coming. This is exactly what Rob Mcmillan was talking about it 's because of the lack of transparency in how wine is made. it leaves open this giant you know leaves open an opening. That's bad English. It, there's this giant opening for somebody to come in and say, this is what we're, is in our wine. And by default is saying that because we're not using these other things, everybody else must. And, you know, we don't put ingredients there. It's not required to put ingredients on wine. It's not in, required to put nutritional information and, and calories and carbs and sugar and all these things. And because we're, nobody does that or very few people do that, There's a giant, there's a giant opening for a well-funded organization. And that's what this is. And it's, you know, Cameron Diaz's name is attached to it, but you know, I know how these things gone. I've I've had conversations with management companies and, you know, people who own the rights to a brand about making something that has their brand name attached to it. And it's just a, it's a marketing conversation. It's, you know, if we're going to do this, what's the message going to be? And, how much are we going to, you know, produce and how much are we going to make off that production? And so it may have been Cameron Diaz who massaged, you know, her, her brainchild to massage it into clean wine or something. But it was, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody, her manager, her business manager, who talked to some, you know, wine producing brand and came up with uh, a concept to sell a bunch of bulk juice and and frankly that's what this is and i think that's and again that kind of comes back to why it has launched you know sort of stoked this fire in the way it has is if you're in the industry you know exactly what it is and you could call it clean all you want uh, It doesn't mean that how you got there wasn't pretty dirty and and you know bulk wine from spain in you know 2020 was probably about as cheap a thing you could find and you know, if you really want to dig into it, the labor practices are probably the dirtiest place you can start. Uh, and, and what it costs the people and what it costs the environment to produce wine that you can sell at the prices that they're selling at is the least clean thing you could possibly do. over. I dropped my mic, but it's too fucking This has been the winemakers.
2: We'll look forward to talking to you next week, everyone. You you
1: know,
3: if you look back at Linda McCartney, do you remember when she had a full line in every grocery store of frozen vegan vegetarian meals? And it was extremely successful. Great distribution, great sell-through, great product line. It's very, very transparent. We make this kind of product. You you should be eating it well-marketed, and I thought there was a need for it. But she's attaching a famous name to a product line, of course. It's, easy. it's an easy marketing situation.
2: Well, like Paul Newman, I guess, right? With his organic yeah. line. Yeah, look.
3: I mean, There's everything goes to charity.
1: And actually, I won't say a uh, uh, friend of the program, Dusty Neighbor, put this out on social media, sort of the height of this controversy, but let's use Brian's um, as-of-yet-unnamed wine brand that so far has only produced 50 <laughs> cases of not quite yet fermented Roussan. <laughs> uh, and, and if you had put out a press release that said, you know, BKC Sellers releases, you know, launches clean Roussan, um, n- nobody would have paid any attention. Nobody would have cared. <laughs> hey, wait not,
2: a minute.
1: There's more noise <laughs> in the, in the, in the world. And just not to pick on you, Brian, but you know, <laughs> As long as you know, until your roof's on is dry, we're gonna pick on it. Um, sorry, Bart. Uh, and and that's that's the thing is it's because of whose name is attached to it is even why we know about it or care about it and have you know now put in twenty five minutes of podcast absolutely. Talking about
3: it. But it's fun too. I mean, think about it. They opened a big window there, and you know, with calling everybody else dirty Wines. and they said everybody else might be doing it.
2: So we're saying we're not. <laughs>
3: I, I heard that. It's bullshit.
2: I heard that. I heard Hardy Wallace was changing his brand to clean and rowdy.
1: Clean and calm. Clean and subdued. <laughs> clean and subdued. <laughs> no, I, I like my wine. Like I like my martini. Now I like them a little dirty. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh man! <laughs> so,
3: guys, what is going on out in the fields? It's looking really beautiful, but you guys are out there. What's going on, Bart?
0: Um, I uh, went up to Ukiah yesterday to uh, take a look at some Chenin Blanc because Wait, I'm starting you make
3: Blanc. Yay. Yeah,
0: because um, I'm really starting. I really, I'm really starting to feel that, that I'm not getting any from Eric Bradley. Um, <laughs> he hasn't. Oh,
2: him. calling him out on the show even.
0: <laughs> All he's got to do is return a message, just anything. <laughs> just say, wow. you know, sorry or yes. Um, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, it's the smallest clusters of Chenin Blanc I've ever seen in my life and they, the size of the
1: cluster or the, the size
0: of the clusters they look like little pinot clusters are about like hmm. this um and little tiny berries still at this point i'm thinking that they're going to size up and it's just quite a ways behind um uh, but uh no sugar at this point i mean they're just tart is completely um
1: So So speaking of Hardy, he's ready to pick it next week. Is that,
0: you know, I, I I went up and the other reason I went up and looked at it is because he posted uh, something on uh, Instagram saying that it was a really small crop. And so I was like, oh, I better make sure that there's at least a ton for me, you know, and, um, and there is a small crop, but I think it's, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of clusters, but they're all about this big, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, for so you're, those gonna need, you're, you're gonna
2: need five acres to get your ton right exactly um, <laughs> what do you think
0: that? And, and then oh. and then the other thing that was really surprising up there uh, brian you know that that block of i think it was carignan that was you know so tall next to it
2: looked like trees that's all yeah. all gone oh. all got pulled out oh. so it's
0: a big open space up there and i think that just goes to talk about you know what's going mm-hmm. on in the wine industry yeah. so were they having um, trouble selling that stuff I, I think so. Every time, every time I've ever gone up there, he's asked me if I want some. Uh, so yeah. Bummer. Uh, so that's, that's unfortunate. I, you know, and I, who knows how much longer the Shannon will stay every year. There's a few more dead vines. So.
1: And they're not replanting.
0: Uh, and no, they're not, they're not doing anything. Yeah. Not doing anything. They, they dissed it and there was a guy out there weed eating it.
2: Um, so. Well, it looks like Morgan's um, picking already, right? So, was it yesterday? They're already picking in uh, Contra Costa.
1: Morgan's picking for uh Rosé, I believe. Um, and I imagine that under the wire would be pretty soon in that in that range. Uh, looks like uh, Gloria Maya Comis Olds, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, posted some pictures. They're bringing in, I think, today, some Pinot for for sparkling. Um, I know, I have a buddy who works at Kenwood, um, basically Bart's old job, uh, who is underway. They're making, they make uh, the mum base wine Sparkling. yeah, at, at yeah. the Kenwood facility, and they've been picking grapes for a couple of days now, bringing in fruit. Um, so it's it's starting. I mean, this is the time of year where, you know, it's, is it early? Probably not in the last five years kind of range. Early August is kind of where we've been Um, and you know so now it means to me for our stuff that I probably have a month before I need to start caring about where things are Um, you know we're now we'll be in and you know by early September I'll be in checking numbers and and paying attention to the chemistry of stuff Um, tasting grapes uh, you know probably six weeks away at the earliest from for harvesting for sixteen six hundred. But I think actually speaking of Eric Bradley, um Eric is going to make um I think a Blanc to Blanc um with Chardonnay grown at Moon Mountain <laughs> at the Repri property. And um so I think early next week will be the first pick for Enterprise Vineyards, picking uh, Moon Mountain District Chardonnay for sparkling wine, which uh, just saying wow. that out loud, I think, cost me 50 bucks. It sounds expensive, um, but it's going to – should be, you know, it's probably four years out from any yeah. possible release it, at least, but um, could be a pretty cool thing.
3: You know?
1: so. well, yeah. Yeah, and
3: we've got perfect weather, too, man. it has been beautiful the last couple of days.
1: Stunning. Yeah, we've been in this pattern – Probably for three or four weeks now, where we've had a good amount of morning fog. Oh, Uh, very gray in the morning. Yeah, you can can sleep late. Highs in the, you know, when it gets hot, it's in the low 90s. Um, You know, if we could keep this, you know, we'll probably have some spikes, you know, Labor Day weekend or something, um, the fog will leave and, and things will get hot. But if we could keep this going for another month, um it'll be great for you know to set flavor and really you know you don't want things to ripen too fast you don't want and that's when you get out of balance when sugars climb more than like skins and and seeds are ripening um that's when you know you can get that's you know makes it hard for winemakers to make the call and and flavors get out of whack if if things can go really slow sugars can climb st- Slowly allow the seeds and the stems and the skins to, um, you know, kind of keep pace. Uh, hang time—that's the name of the game. Hey Bart, is that
2: that cactus that's behind you? Is it on some kind of drip system or something? Um,
0: we do have, uh, yeah, we do have drip system on all these pots. That's if far I, too it, much oh. water.
2: That's a yeah, cactus. Yeah, I know. I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> it looks I'm trying nice. to convince. I'm... <laughs>
0: That that's a very rare, rare watering for it. And yes, I my wife and I have a lot of discussions. You can't see it's a little yellow also. So
1: um I'm not not up. farming your cactuses, Bart, I'm never gonna your <laughs> wine your wine can't be clean.
3: Well, my my cannabis is a little yellow too, and I hear I over watering it, so I backed off.
2: You know, that's always that's always a temptation, right? With your garden or whatever you got going on outside is that, <laughs> For, you know watering is kind of like a zen thing where you know it's fun to be out in the garden and be water in the garden but that the you know just like grapes the plants don't ultimately need all that water and don't want all well, that water
0: yeah i mean we definitely have some areas that 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 need the water here because we don't have much soil here everything just kind of falls away but um but yeah the stuff that do does really well up here is all the succulents and cactus and they're for the most part you know Um, You don't have to water
2: them.
0: (laughs) Right. We don't water. Uh, There's a couple things in pots that I wish she could hear me happy to explain it. Maybe it would
1: help. (laughs) (laughs) If any of our wives would ever listen to our show, they would know what we're saying about them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Can't go there. Joan Joan listens. Oh,
0: Joan listens? Yeah. Joan and... yeah, yeah, right. We uh, we have. I don't think Terry's ever listened to an episode, and I prefer it that way, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> this is our seventeenth uh, wedding anniversary this Sunday.
3: Hey, congratulations, so, man! Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, you're perfect. here. You're here. What's a yeah, really bar- good
1: thing? quiz: what's, bar- what's the what's the date on Sunday? Uh, August eighth. Okay. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, and while I'm at it, um, I saw Travis and Alyssa Barkley just. I think yesterday celebrated like their 19th anniversary. So a little shout out to them.
2: Oh, well, hey, let's just go there. Danny Faye and Katie Boyer. Yes. Um, oh. And then uh,
1: Katie Bunchu getting married uh, on Saturday with like 20 people, uh, you know, pandemic wedding. Uh, right. Them. Shout out. At that's her something. dad's new house, it looked like. I think so. Yeah. The yeah. new house the same Where? as
3: Where's the new place? Uh, well,
0: just on the ranch, it was a house that burned during the fire that they finally Okay, that's
3: one were able place. To rebuild. Okay, cool. yeah, yeah, so you know, they even they even had some damage back in that earthquake we had what six, seven years ago the big house was they had some damage there too,
1: so i I think that is the the building that's on the property near the winery that um is i guess they're they're like admin and offices. the home yeah. that you know. Katie and Jeff grew up in, um, you know, Jim and Nancy, I think. Yeah, Jim and Nancy. Um, is, is right off of Napa Road, um, just past the, like, turkey barns that burned as you're heading to, heading to Napa. Um, yeah. So it was, mm-hmm. it was uh, the family house. And I think it was Jim's – Jim grew up in that house, too, I believe. Yeah, and it was, like, stone and wood house. I mean, it was gorgeous. Yeah. um
3: Still is.
0: And it, yeah it it took them a long time to get it rebuilt um no but John I think the house you're referring yeah. to is that was what they call uh, Mary's house which was uh Jim's mom's um house or or maybe Jim's grandfather's it, it, that's the original house on the property um that you speaking it's
3: really nice yeah. nicely done you have to you have to admit really you yeah. know it's it's interesting because that used to be one of our favorite wineries to go to. I mean, hell, we got married there. We didn't tell them, we just said, oh, by the way, we're going to head out here with four people. You know, now they they actually sell time and the rights to that back area, but it, it was just a patio by their lake before. So yeah, I mean, 20 years ago, we, we were out there November 2nd. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Another uh-huh. anniversary.
2: Oh, yeah. John Myers that. and his drive-by uh-huh. wedding. Man, saying, man, off it was.
3: It was.
0: Expect no, a I mean, bill from Jeff Bunchuk. I think he's been exactly. listening.
2: <laughs>
3: they said, "Just don't tell us. We don't care." But just don't tell us. And now they've. Everybody has monetized everything. You know, if you want to walk in, you want to walk here. You know, sit down and buy the wine. But, you know, we we bought wine. We. I I was a. I think that's probably the first club I was in in Sonoma. My God, long time ago though. All still- different now,
0: no, John. It's all, it's all totally different now.
3: Isn't everybody? Honestly, by the way, Bart, uh, I uh, saw Clayton from Penziker uh, 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 yesterday over at the pool, and he wanted me to say hi to you. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, good guy. And, and uh, we talked about the old days at Penziker and, and uh, had a good time.
2: And Bart, did you see my little poke at you? I was drinking while I was drinking the De Coelho, uh Rosé, of Pinot Noir.
0: I did, yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: just that was, had a that was good. random. You know, Jill was pouring at the hotel and told her that uh, that I had heard they were making a rosé, and so next time she showed up, she came in with a bottle, which was which was super cool. It's, she's she's I've, very sweet.
0: I mean, biodynamically grown Bodega Bay. <clears throat> Pinot Noir for Rosé. I mean, that's got to be a $60 bottle of Rosé. Uh,
2: Forty. What do they
0: think they are? Tempier? Forty.
2: 44? Something like that. <laughs> 44? Something
3: like that, yeah. What's the most you can spend on a bottle or of Or I was like going to say, or what do they think they are?
0: Audutette? <laughs> <laughs> Audutette?
1: <laughs> nah, it's 49 for Audutet. 44 is not enough. <laughs> you gotta make enough money to pay Isabel and Philippe.
2: <laughs> and those yeah. <laughs> and well, those, those beautiful labels. Yeah.
1: Isabel deserves it,
3: I can guarantee it. How is that wine tasted?
2: Brian. John, I'm i I'm still have bandages on my head from the the <laughs> hole the hole that was blown. By drinking the 2019 Audetet Rosé. I, I can't even – you're just going to have to get it for yourself and and experience it. And, I mean, I could read all of what Isabel told me. The process for the wine was so, uh, most of it intentional, but then there was uh, some sort of accidental thing that went on in the winery
1: that may oh, have – Oh, we want to
0: hear what that was for yeah. sure. Come on,
1: this, what was, is... uh, this was a- an assist from – what do they call it? The- uh, God. PS- <laughs> from, from, and or PG&E, whoever is right. more powerful. Um, right. And so we had just brought in that fruit um, during the first planned power shut off uh, last fall. And so you know they lost power at the winery, which meant they lost control of the temperature at the winery. And the rose fermented for a few, you know, for a, however long that lasted, uh, at a higher temperature than we had intended. Um, and that I and what and she really talked about, that Brian as as being more of a textural element to the wine than anything else, right? And well, how, how
3: does it come out in the wine? What do you taste?
1: Like it, it's unlike any other rose I've ever had, I and say, that's right? why
2: it. Okay, so let me let me set the scene for you. So Sam, Sam packs up some wine for me, or Jasmine packs up some wine for me in a box. Um, I stop by and I take it home. It's a Shiner, which means it's a it's a bottle on it that has no label, and it's quite a heavy bottle. I don't know how much they spend on these bottles. So I I personally I didn't think it was a rosé. And uh, it's this, a dark bottle,
1: right? And it's not a computer right. clear bottle; it's a dark bottle.
2: Right. So I open it up and i pour a little bit of it and i my first thought is oh this is a i think the first thing i thought was this wine's oxidized just by the color i thought it was because i didn't think it was a rose at first i thought it was a wine that had some maybe there was some problem with the cork that it had oxidized a little bit because of the color and then when i smelled it i thought maybe this is a skin contact wine. Like I didn't know they were doing a skin contact white. Like that's weird. I I would think that they would mention that, that, oh yeah, we're working on this, this new thing. And then when I tasted it, I knew it was Rose, but it had a textural mouthfeel unlike any other Rose that I've ever had in my life. And so it, it completely baffled me. And I, after having a little bit, I put the cork back on and stuck it back in the fridge because I wanted to talk to Sam about it. Cause I, I had no frame of reference as to what it, the hell it was I was drinking. And then when he did confirm the next day that that was the 2019 Autotec Rosé, then I was just like speechless because I didn't know. There was nothing you could compare it to in, in the Rosé category.
3: Well, that's quite the
0: start. Quite the yeah, that's, quite the, that's quite the stirring review. When are yeah, you really releasing is.
1: that wine, Sam? Uh, when I damn well please. <laughs> um meaning I don't know uh I gotta get the labels printed um and it was just bottled when though it it'll probably be the the idea is to release the nineteen rose along with the eighteen reds as a package um and and probably in november um you know it'll be a, a after our you know regular sixteen six hundred fall release um it'll be you know, a, a buy the three pack. You can obviously buy them separate, but you know, in our minds, it's a it's a three pack box with the two red wines on each side and the rosé in the middle. Um, and you know, that's the sort of the gestalt of the whole thing. And and, and again, you know, we we put it into a dark bottle because um, you know our experience with the 18 AOC rosé is here. We are you know a year and four months post bottling and it tastes better than it ever has. Um, And, you know, so we're making rosé to age. You know, Bart, I saw the other day that you um, opened and drank a 2019 Tompier, which was probably delicious. Um, But for me, you know, I'm pulling out my 18 and 17 Tompier rosés right now um, because, you know, I think that they, they improve with age. So that's, you know, a hundred percent our intent with the audio Tet Rose is something that um, has age ability. And, and by putting it into a dark glass, that was, you know, our way of, of a making sure that age ability is, is maximized, but also a right. way of signaling. This is a wine, um, you know, that is okay to put into your cellar for a couple of years. Um, so and also, you know, I'm going to release. Who fucking releases, you know, rosé 2019 rosé uh, in November? Correct. Um, right. you know, <laughs> our, our crazy asses. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the thing, the the thing that about the color, Brian. Um, not to keep touting the scores that we got from from Aaron Brooks at the Wine Advocate, but um, she made. A, a, I'm just going to read her description of, and this was a barrel sample in February. Um, So, tasted a barrel sample of the 2019 Grenache Rosé in February before it's bottling at the end of April. Uh, The Arroutet Rosés aren't your typical aperitif wines, but rather seriously styled with plenty of aromatics and textural intensity. Uh, This has a medium onion skin color and a bright nose of aromas, tangerine, lime candy and crushed stone, and a singular spicy note over a core of melon and peach. Medium bodied, the palate is bright and fresh on entry, brought in and out to a savory, laced to savory laced peaches with citrus fruits, seamless freshness on the long textural finish, um, and you know obviously we're very pleased with that as well as the ninety three points that came attached to it. Um, but the thing that got me and after reading this and made me go and open a bottle, and this was right when we were having that conversation, Brian was medium onion skin color right right yeah that don't accept it out there yeah and and i went and opened it and you know it's uh you know not a white onion kind of that um not a red onion like that yellow sweet onion and it is kind of that color it's you know it's it's not pink um yeah um, and you know, and. I think if you asked Isabel and and the twenty nineteen sixteen six hundred rosé is also in that same sort of like kind of light tangerine color, uh, almost. Yeah, I wine. was going to say
0: I, the bottle that you gave me. Terry commented that was it a rosé or not, or you know, was it a skin contact one? And one hundred
1: percent, just at the color. Yeah, and I think if you asked um, Isabel, she would say that we probably missed the mark a little bit with that color. Um, it-
2: that She was a little concerned over the color. That was her only concern about the wine, but I, t- I told her, I think it what's kind of cool, I mean, you, you, people, the chefs say you eat with your eyes, but I think when it comes to wines, people just are interested in the color, but I don't think it's a determining factor on the way the wine tastes, so I, I, I don't think, see a problem with it. What I like about the color of it is it is distinctive from other rosés, like it sets itself apart. The fact that you guys have got a 93, which I think is what Rosé's, that's like the top, top, that's ceiling, right?
1: I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I did an exercise with the wine advocate where I went to see like, cause we also got a 93 for the estate Zinfandel. And I mm-hmm. wanted to see like how many Zinfandels have scored higher than that. And, you know, feel like 93 is pushing the upper limit of Zin. And and there's some other Zins and there's like, you know, some 99 point Zins out there um, and, you know, few and far between, but um, yeah I, I probably should do that same exercise with the Rose and see how many roses well
0: is, well it on. also goes back to that conversation Brian that you had with Jeb Dunnick about um, right. you know is there a hundred point rose and you know his kind of answer was no because Rose as a category isn't
2: that so see to go and, back and to your comment earlier but that's what I'm talking about that that, that why this wine is trouble because I think this wine is knocking on that door this wine is basically saying hey look we can make a serious rosé and you're going to have to take a second look at it because it can rival other great wine producing regions in the world and other great wines so big statement I know and I, I'm, I don't think I was drinking too much that night but I think there's something very different about this rosé that it is sort of made in a style and made intentionally to be something other than your crushable patio pounder rosé that you're going to sit out there and just enjoy without thinking about. It made me think, and I hated it, and I loved it.
3: (laughs) Well, Brian, what would a really good uh, Gigondas rosé taste like comparatively?
2: See, John, it's all about the texture, though. This wine, it's all about the mouthfeel, which which is why I even said to Sam that it's there's something different about this rosé that it's almost made by, it's like a Burgundian. Like, it's almost like you're saying, we're going to use, we're going to use, uh, uh, let's see, let's see, because I have, um, so yeah. it's skin yeah, contact yeah. for about six hours prior to press, two plus days on gross leaves with one stir a day, which frees up the aroma precursors and gives and gives body, and then 50% barrel fermented and 100% Elevage in neutral burgundy oak. There's just something very different. When you drink a rosé, you're not used to having that feel in your mouth. You're used to having that feel when you drink a burgundy. Like,
1: like, <laughs> like right. right. <laughs> and that's, I mean, m- process-wise, methodology-wise, that, you know, that's the closest... Probably you know, uh, uh, analogous kind of production is is white burgundy. You know, my, white burgundy right. may have might see new oak occasionally, but um, right. that yeah, because I'm
2: I'm not at all talking about oak flavor, not right. at all. It's just strictly yeah. about the, the feel, the mouth feel of the wine.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's that's
0: that's all about skin contact with with grapes. Farm to be rosé, you know, um, as opposed to skin contact on. You know, letting letting red wine soak for a few hours and then doing your bleed, um, that's a different sort of uh character that you get in the mouthfeel of it. And then the higher sugar yeah. blows it out where this is the balance. This is skin contact, gives it what stuck with your mind, Brian. And yeah. um but with at a lower sugar, um it's more imbalanced. it's more harmonious.
2: Yeah.
3: Are you going to turn off the electricity again this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, I,
1: <laughs> um, 100%. We're going to do it exactly the same. No. Uh, I, I mean, I think you could ask your power company. Maybe the next time they come over to read your meter, Thanks. you could ask them what they say. Um, you could, you know, ask the. I wife. mean, the
0: cynical side of me would say, well, so uh, uh, if. If the power, if it would have fermented too cold in the beginning, then it might have stuck later on, and you'd be just like Brian with his Roussan. Um, so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then we would have had no choice but to release it in November. That's right. No, <laughs> uh, you know,
0: I mean, um, the temperature definitely has something to do with it. But you know, for a few days, not as much as just fermenting it at eighty-four degrees, as opposed to fermenting it at you know sixty-eight or seventy.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think it'll be interesting when when you're ultimately pouring it in the tasting house and people doing a side by side of your of, of either the kosher Grenache Rosé or your, you know, your other Rosé to have it si- side by side is going to be the real right. fun thing to talk about with people because because it's going to be such a different experience um, that, you know, it, it'll, I think it'll blow other people's minds, too.
1: And, you know, the interesting thing, Brian, about the sort of back to the color topic. Um, we're actually today waxing and labeling the kosher rosé, which, you know, like everything with the kosher wine, requires a few extra steps. Um, and the 2019 version, same vineyard as the as the Auditette rosé, um, is definitely less pink than it was in 2018. Um, so to me, I think, it, you know, it's a result of what was going on in the 2019 vintage in part. Um, you know, yeah. it's definitely got a little bit more orange, a little less pink to it color wise um, medium onion skin some might say um, <laughs> as, <laughs> I guess if you're a wine writer apparently um, and and so you know I, I think that's partially just what what was going on with the vintage um, you know we, we didn't get the color that we expected with the rose in 2019 um, but, you know, we're also – because we um, make clean wine uh, – no, because we make wine true to the vintage um, every year, uh, things are going to be a little different than the year before. Uh, and that doesn't just mean the flavor and the aromas. It also means the color.
2: Yeah.
1: So so would
2: we be happier if Cameron Diaz came out with a cloudy wine?
1: <laughs> I, <think it's> good. <laughs> I know, mean, skin. You know, mousy. I think. We really don't
2: care. <laughs> well and now I'm I'm actually curious about um, I, I did happen to catch Post Malone on the Joe Rogan podcast last week I think they did eat some mushrooms before they started the show so it gets a little weird about an hour and a half two hours in it's kind of you know if you're not in the right frame of mind it's a little bit tough to watch um, but you gotta eat mushrooms when the show starts also pretty much you got to time it like the uh, Wizard of Oz uh, Pink Floyd dark side of the mood sync up <laughs> So uh but I am curious to try his rosé cuz I'm sure he didn't give a fuck whether it was a clean wine or t- <laughs> that was probably just required a signature on a Tuesday afternoon in his manager's office hey we're going to we're going to sell some post Malone rosé
1: all right you probably woke up early to get there in time yeah
2: cuz <laughs> that whole podcast he was drinking it was either cor- it was bud light it was bud light and smoking a just chain smoking cigarettes <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> i'm sure that that you know
2: is great for his palate <laughs> right well like i yeah. said he's only 25 years old he he knows that his brain still isn't fully formed and he uses as a, as an excuse to do whatever the fuck he wants which is which is great
3: and he's 25 and he's not smart enough not to chain smoke uh
2: john john be careful I will, I am, but I, I don't think that's
3: something that's really too smart to do. Is change my, if they're cigarettes, if they're joints, it's one thing. Because cigarettes <laughs> I, have all I, kinds of crap. You know, I, I, you can make a clean cigarette. it got all these additives in the cigarettes. It's just not good
1: for you, man.
2: Yeah, this is true. I like uh, mine oh, <laughs> organic.
1: If I ever, When I smoke cigarettes occasionally, I, I would, um, mostly just because, you know, out of some sort of like self-masochism, uh, I would buy uh, the organic American spirits because like somehow right. it, would, it was better for me. I mean, and those are like the harshest, right. roughest cigarettes you can possibly buy. My, <laughs>
2: you know. my wife used to smoke those. And the problem, if you're used to smoking regular cigarettes, <laughs> when you take a draw off those things, you feel like you're you're sucking off of a like you're sucking uh, air through a straw at the bottom of the ocean. You're like... <sniffs> Trying to get any smoke out of it, I don't know. <laughs> it's like those old women smoking those Benson and Hedges, like those three foot long cigarettes. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm I'm gonna get a bottle of the uh, Post Malone rosé for the next show, though. Oh so, shit! I'm gonna have to do that tonight.
1: Yes. Well, uh, so a minute ago, before we went on, Artie Johnson, guest, we're here. We are doing a good job of promoting our next show. Uh, dropped off four bottles. Of of the Artie Hesic, uh, and I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, his brand Artie is wine X Y Z on Instagram for the social media ones out there, uh, and he started his brand 100 percent rosé, but now he also included in this a couple of red wines uh, and a um, and a Chardonnay, a Sonoma Coast Chardonnay, all mm-hmm. single vineyard stuff. Uh, the rosé is Shake Ridge uh, Grenache Syrah Vedra blend, um, and the red wines I can't remember exactly what they are. So I don't know if you're coming over here at some point, Brian, but we should maybe try and either each take a bottle of this or or figure out how to. Uh, <laughs> he,
2: um, spread these I'm out. I got to work at three, so that would mean I got to jump in the shower in the next five. I already ironed my clothes um, to stop by and pick up one of those bottles, but I'd love to because. I, i've had the rose before and loved it and i love the labels the labels are super cool yeah, the on labels all.
1: the packaging is yeah. all great yeah all right well you guys um does that mean we, we don't get to podcast zoom into your shower we have to end if you're gonna take a shower What the you, don't hell? Want to, you
2: don't want to see that
1: yeah <laughs> This is where you know it's a clean podcast or it's a dirty podcast. Oh my
2: god, it would be a clean podcast, wouldn't it?
3: Hey, I gotta go, uh, work out and swim in the pool, so that's my thing at two o'clock. Physical therapy,
2: John, you're looking buffed. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you better slow down, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Stayed away, baby. Stayed away. <laughs> hey, you know, you guys. On a serious note, I know we kind of texted about this last night. I just saw it last night that um, is it Mila Hanley from Hanley oh, Sellers yeah. um, passed away, and it was from COVID nineteen related. Um, um, you know, I I don't know the exact details. I didn't read the article. It happened to be my mother in law that mentioned it to me last night when we were eating dinner. Uh, I think maybe she knew that we had had um, her daughter on the show. Um, but it's you know it's fun it's it's not funny it's 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 weird that three months ago when we were talking about COVID you know none of us really knew anyone that was affected by it and it's just as time goes on now it it just starts to get closer and closer and closer and yeah
1: yeah it's certainly not it really is the circles keep getting closer and tighter I don't know if you guys saw so yeah shout out definitely to Handley Sellers and and obviously, yeah. our, our, our hearts go out to them. Um, yeah. Her daughter, Lulu, I believe, was, yeah, one of our early guests. Um, yeah. Probably yeah. 2018, we did that show. So if you want to go back and look at that one, that was with um, with. That was with Amy. Amy Beth Cook. Yeah, exactly. Over here, um, yeah. It was talking about the women in wine world. and, and um, Maybe so Kate and definitely... on the same show, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and those are probably all guests that we – are due to come back and make a reappearance anyway. Um, but, you know, probably worth going back and listening to a little bit of the Handley Sellers story, um, really sort of, you know, pushing the avant-garde of, of Anderson Valley going to way back in the 80s. Um, so that's definitely a huge loss um, to, you know, the Anderson Valley and, and the California wine world in general. Um, but, you know, it, it's here in Sonoma Valley. I don't know if you guys saw – Um, our friends at, at Valley, uh, recently opened the the restaurant and wine bar, um, had, you know, somebody within their, as they described it, sort of within their orbit, tested positive and, and they're doing the right thing and they're shutting everything down until their whole staff, um, can get tested and get test results back and make sure they can open up, you know, keep serving people safely. So yeah, the circles, you know, and that's, literally a, a block away from where I'm sitting. So yeah. um, circle, it's like every time you hear about it, the circle is just a little bit close, tighter. You know,
2: and and if anyone, you know, wants to go to that restaurant, when they do reopen, I did hear a lot of positive stuff. Um, when I was doing the wine tasting out at the Fairmont, you know, I'd get a chance to talk to people and see where they were going to dinner and where they had been. And um, one couple specifically said they went there like on a, uh, on a Tuesday. And they said, and we're only here for a week, but we had to go back another time to have dinner because it was so good. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I heard good things. Of course, my parents were there like Monday night and then on then, you know, Wednesday morning they post about, you know, their, their possible contact with a, a COVID positive person. So, you know, then you're talking about like your 68 year old parents going, fuck, you know, it's it's a, uh, it's a scary thing. It's real. And that's, you know, yeah. to their credit, they're, um, um, they are, doing things really safely. They're, you know, really kind of removing contact with customers as much as possible. Um, and, and, you know, because of that, you can operate and and do things safely these days, um, and, and operate the right way. So, um, shout out to them and, um, you know, for, for handling it the way they're handling it. And, and yeah, the food, uh, everything I've heard, everything's great. Yeah. Wine list. As Robert came and said, it's the only wine list in Sonoma that he'll order off of. So that's about as a there you go. compliment. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. And then we will have Artie on. And then, um, as you guys know from yesterday, I've been following uh black wine guy on Instagram for a while. I love the stuff he drinks cause it's a lot of stuff that I like too. And so, you know, I saw a video of his the other day where he said that he was, going to start a new venture and look look into podcasting so i just sent him a dm saying hey man you want to come on and talk about your new venture we'd love to hear about it and so he's going to be come on next week right so do we call him
1: does he have a name or do we just call him black wine guy
2: well we'll have to ask him i don't i don't i don't think it says and then what's interesting is there's a in his profile there's a link to a website when you go to the website the only thing there is a submission form that says would you like to receive information or something and so you put in your email address and then hit submit that's it it's just a static page so we we'll, it'll be a completely wide open show um, but I, i'm really curious to know where he's getting all this wine because he's drinking stuff like you know that doesn't get out there um very it, well
0: it it looks like he, it, it's his initials are mj and so i think that might be i, th- I think i was watching one of his videos and some Thing was
1: referenced and he referenced MJ. So uh. Michael, are we gonna have Michael Jordan on the Uh, podcast, John? It's like all your '90s Chicago dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. All right, guys.
2: All right, are we out of here?
1: I got one more shout out uh, to a podcast listener in Southern California, Jim Kinney. Kinney, Kinney, K-I-N-N-I. He's DM'd me a few times about, uh, he planted some backyard grapes, he planted Grenache, Mavedra Syrah, and he is on the rosé topic, he's asked, he wants to make rosé and wanted to know what he should pick it at, and so we had a little back and forth on on bricks and taste of of picking grapes for rosé. So uh, a winemaker, a budding winemaker in our midst, so shout out to Jim, good luck on your uh, first harvest down there in SoCal.
2: Awesome, yeah, and send us bottles.
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Esther
2: Mobley for getting me fired up today. Um, You know, always, um, always good to get a little fire under your belly about uh, about wine. So, um, you guys will
1: eat the clean wine conversation. I think you know it's good to talk about these things. It's just let's keep it real.
2: Right. There you go. All right. There's nothing about Mary anymore to talk about. We'll look forward to talking to you guys next week. You want to check out some of our past shows, go to radiomisfits.com backslash the winemakers. Get a shout out to Ed the Podfather. Follow us at winemakerspod and go check subscribe, out review. Guy.
1: Subscribe, review, subscribe, review. Tell there us. think of us, Even if you don't like that I laugh at my own jokes, tell us. All right. <laughs> Drink more wine. Drink more wine.
0: All right, guys. Good one.
1: Good, clean wine. Right. See you
3: tomorrow. Peace. See ya.